Running and jogging are one of the most popular sports worldwide. Characterized simply as the aerial phase in which all feet are above the ground, an average of almost 60 million people run or jog yearly, according to Statista. Now, one of the most important studies on the human foot explains the science behind the spring in our step and what we need to keep up the pace. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story fuels the ongoing debate over whether sports drinks and electrolyte supplements are overhyped for their ability to give athletes their edge. One study found that they don't do as much as we thought. Find out what you need to know about the best way runners can take care of their health and why experts say to reach for a bag of potato chips instead of a Gatorade. Our second story explains why you're able to run in the first place because of the transverse tarsal arch. We've learned what makes our feet so uniquely human in what scientists are calling one of the most important studies on the foot. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, a disruptive study on ultramarathoners upends a common belief about electrolytes. Uh, excuse me. I think this might be Gatorade or something. I was just looking for some regular water. Water? Yeah. You mean like in the toilet? What for? Uh, just to, to, to drink. More than 18 million people registered to run a race in 2018, prompting Outside Magazine to claim the running boom isn't going anywhere. With the popularity of running picking up pace, this new research should feel timely to anyone who's a runner. Ultramarathoners are athletes who run 155-mile races over seven days. A study on 266 of them has found that electrolyte supplements and sports drinks don't do as much as we thought. They don't keep electrolyte levels balanced as much as you might think. They don't boost your performance like you'd hoped. And they don't prevent runners from getting sick. It's enough to make you throw up before you even get going. But there's good news for fans of Gatorade, who need to quench their deep-down body thirst, as the 80s jingle for the company so memorably goes. A study published in February 2020 in the Clinical Journal of Sports Medicine adds to an ongoing debate over whether sports drinks and electrolyte supplements are overhyped for their ability to give athletes their edge. Past research has shown these add-ons can help replace vital electrolyte levels after vigorous workouts. Greg Lippman, study co-author and researcher at Stanford University, tells Inverse, there's little reason to add electrolyte supplements on top of drinking water and eating a nutrient-rich diet if you're a casual athlete. These electrolytes that they take are not protective of, they don't stop cramps, they don't stop um, distress of nausea in your gut from like nausea or vomiting, they don't help performance and they don't protect against dangerously low uh, or high salt levels. Out of the 266 ultramarathoners, 41 of them had sodium imbalances by the end of their race. Sodium is an electrolyte that maintains healthy blood pressure and regulates the function of muscles and nerves. This sodium deficit was despite the fact that all of the ultramarathoners consumed some type of electrolyte supplement. No matter the type, amount, and manner of ingestion, the supplements showed little to no effect on sodium levels. Instead of reaching for a Gatorade during a long race, Lippmann suggests eating potato chips as a way to balance salt levels. Drink when you're thirsty and eat salty snacks. If you're feeling nauseous and dizzy and fatigued, but you're also feeling bloated, 
when you're not thirsty, you might be overhydrated. Ali Patillo, a staff writer at Inverse, who has run one marathon at least, filed the story. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. One thing we haven't brought up yet is that many people think of studies as happening in a controlled environment, but not with research. Why was it so unique? So yeah, this research is pretty unique in terms of the scientific realm. You know, most things happen in a sterile um, controlled laboratory, but this was happening in the deserts of South America, Mongolia, and Namibia at five different ultra marathons. So how does this fit into the overall electrolyte debate? Yeah. So electrolyte supplements and sports drinks are everywhere. You know, you see LeBron James, Michael Jordan, um, these amazing elite athletes drinking them. And I think a lot of people associate these drinks or supplements with amazing performance um, or helping athletes from hitting a wall. But this research is saying, okay, maybe it's doing less than we think. You know, they do provide necessary sugars and carbs, which can help people keep their energy up during a long race. Um, but they don't necessarily do much to keep your electrolyte levels balanced. Um, they're, they're not going to stop cramps or necessarily gnawing in your gut from nausea or vomiting. Um, and they didn't see a huge difference when it comes to performance. What should athletes and, and regular people, what should we take away from this study? Yeah, well, it's funny. I mean, the average American actually gets enough electrolytes from their diet and specifically sodium, which is the essential electrolyte um, that these researchers were interested in. We get it through a nutrient-rich diet. Um, so it's really not, you don't need to kind of go out and buy your Gatorade um, or your Powerade unless you are doing high-intensity exercise for more than an hour and a half. That was kind of the thresholds um, that the researchers kind of reached. Um, but if you're just a casual athlete, you're going for a 5k, you just come back and you have your normal diet, you have water, you have milk and your electrolytes are replenished. Fair enough. What do you think people will find most surprising about this study? Well, one of the tips that one of the researchers brought up was that instead of Gatorade, maybe you should have potato chips, which is, I love them. So I'm down. But the problem is, you know, then how do you kind of carry that along a running race? It's not necessarily easily um, transportable. Um, so I think that research is going to continue to try and figure out whether there are these kind of um, supplements or add-ons that can make a real crucial difference. Um, but the jury's still out. So what's the best way to store potato chips while I'm running? I, that's a great question. I have no idea. Fair enough. That's a question our editor snuck in. <laughs> uh, Ali Patillo, thank you so much. Thank you, Tanya. In order to run, it took various evolutionary steps for our arches to form. The foot has long been one of the least understood structures in the human body until now. The abstract looks at an evolutionary miracle. Your feet. And the next best step of the alert was a flat foot dance. Something like this. That's what I call a flat foot dance. There are many crucial skills that separate us from the animals. You're able to walk, jog, sprint, run a marathon because of a uniquely human transverse tarsal arch. According to a study published February 2020 in the journal Nature, this arch runs across the foot from left to right, sitting in between the ball of the foot and the heel. And it is the defining foot feature that distinguishes us from the animals. 
Researchers analyzed a database of how arches in the feet evolved over all primates and found that it took various evolutionary steps for our arches to form. The foot has long been one of the least understood structures in the human body. Its complex anatomy, which varies greatly between people, makes it all that much harder to study. However, this new understanding of the transverse tarsal arch opens up a world of possibilities. Now we have new ways to study the foot on an evolutionary level. Plus, we can better tackle foot-related health problems. Here to talk more about the study is senior science editor Claire Cameron. Welcome. Hi. How did researchers go about understanding the function of the transverse tarsal arch? What was the process? So compared to the arch of your foot that you think of, like that goes from the tips of your toes down to your heel, this arch, which goes across the foot, hasn't really been studied very closely before. So they did a series of experiments. Firstly, they looked at a mechanical foot. So modeling this part of the foot and seeing how it took impact. Um, They also ran some computer simulations based on that and also based on real life data from um, people moving their feet and standing on their feet. Um, And then they also, in the slightly unorthodox (laughs) design, uh, well, it's not unorthodox, it's just um, interesting uh, study design. They also looked at human cadaver feet. Um, So that's, um, they looked at what happened when they made certain incisions in the foot and then applied pressure to it to see how the stiffness of the foot changed and so like how the impact of standing or running would change um, on the human foot itself. So you mentioned this was an area that was a little bit, um, there weren't a whole lot of studies in terms of the foot. Why is this part of the body kind of neglected? Why is it so hard to understand the foot? Well, I think it's just that specific part of the foot. And I think that we neglect to think about how various areas of the human body evolve to give us the skills that we have. I think that instead we take those skills for granted. For feet, like it's a really important area to study because if, well, I mean, like many of us are on our feet all the time, but also just, you know, how we walk and run and carry ourselves has such a profound impact on the basic tasks of everyday life. So obviously, you know, this opens up the door to more possibilities, uh, medically in particular, because people have flat feet, people have, you know, medical issues with their feet that impact all kinds of different (laughs) functions of their body. So what can we take away from that? I mean, understanding how the foot evolves and the way it's structured and the way that the different ligaments, um, all work together in order to give the foot stiffness and impact. You can see how that would be very important for designing things like shoes um, and also thinking about how people run and showing people how to walk and run correctly. Um, Another way that it could be applied is with prosthetics um, and making sure that those are designed in the correct way. Um, so those are the big applications I could see. Super fascinating. I mean, like, I find it really interesting that this is like something that it distinguishes humans. Like it's a unique feature of human evolution that's been overlooked, but you know, that's my geekery. Fair enough. Claire Cameron. Thanks. Head to inverse.com to read more about how science is changing what we know and how we manage our physical health. You can click on the link in the show notes for that story and all others we talked about today. 
If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at Inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening. 